We abuse land because we regard it as a commodity belonging to us. When we see land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. My name is Stuart Richardson. Landscapes of Consciousness will highlight those who fight to protect the land, a sharing of hopeful visions and stories that bring us back to the land, a place that heals and replenishes us in a world that is in rapid transition. My hope is that we come to know we are a single whole with each other and nature, that when we hurt nature, we are hurting ourselves. On the line, I'm very privileged to have Sister Elizabeth Kelleher, an 85-year-old now. She's with the Franciscan Sisters of the Atonement. Uh, Sister Kelleher is a pillar in the downtown east side, where she tirelessly gives her time and continues to be a source of inspiration for many, many people. She operates a soup kitchen that feeds between three and 500 of the city's most poverty-stricken each day. Very privileged to have you on the show. Welcome, Sister Kelleher. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> no problem. It's been a little while since we spoke, but I, I'm aware that you're part of an organization called the Metro Vancouver Alliance. They've been presently organizing a meeting. First and foremost, what is the Metro Vancouver Alliance and what would be its mandate? It's a building a broad-based community alliance, and its aim is to bring together large numbers of diverse grassroots organizations, and they would be churches, synagogues, temples, union groups, different parts of the unions, uh, community organizations, and it, it's never individuals. It is organizations, leaders that have a following so that the concerns of all will be able to have a sufficient amount of voice so that their needs will be heard. And the needs are determined by all of the groups making the decisions of what really needs to be done. Now, you've been a very active citizen, as I mentioned before, for many years, and you're very well aware of the needs of your community. It seems like we're going to be having many elections this year, certainly municipal, probably provincial, and maybe even a federal election. What should be their priorities? What needs to happen right now? One of the things I would say is that the leadership, any elected officials, need to know they are elected supposedly by the people for the people. For the last several years, that seems to have been changed. When you see that people depend on being elected or re-elected by the support of huge industrials, uh, corporations, or industries, or whatever, and of course, once they put a huge amount of money into the uh, coffers of those looking for elections, it's really being elected by corporations. So then, of course, decisions are made for the benefit of corporations. We are losing our democratic spirit. In a, in a democracy, you're elected by the people and make decisions for the majority of the people, what the people's needs are. Now, one of those huge corporations um, that I would mention is in Vancouver is Concord Pacifica. Now, there's been a battle between advocacy groups, and a lot of people have spoke out against these large towers being proposed in Chinatown, right on the edge of the downtown east side. Uh, fundamentally, uh, why, why do people get upset about these developers building there? What, what are the main concerns about this development? One of the things that I have come to, to know is that way back in the early 90s, 1993, that there was a complaint made by developers that as long as the government built social housing, the government was interfering with private enterprise. Before that, 
the government put, according to the population of each province, monies that would be needed to build social housing, affordable housing, which seemed to be fair. Why do developers say it's interfering with private enterprise? Because they put what they think should be the per- percentage, the cost of the building, their percentage for profit. The government does not need to do that because it's government money. So since then, there hasn't been this influx of money from the federal government to the provinces to do what is absolutely essential, have money for affordable housing in each of the provinces. Without that, neither the province nor certainly not the, the cities have the money in their budgets to do the building. So that now the um, developers aren't going to develop social housing. They're going to develop condos. Why do we have homelessness? People can't afford, even moderate income people can't afford the rents that are now, if you have more than a one-bedroom apartment, it's up to, if it's a two-bedroom, it's probably 2000 or 2500 How do families live? That makes it impossible for the largest majority of people to have a secure sense of when they're renting a home, they're able to afford it and to be in it, have a stability of where they live. So we have any number of people that have been meeting for three years and developed the kind of plan that we should have. We worked to get Woodward's built. Supposedly, we were getting it redone to build social housing. And what comes in? A few units of social housing. The majority by far in these huge towers. And of course, the cost is way beyond the people in this neighborhood. So it changes the stores that come in or whatever, makes rises prices for everybody, not just those living in those buildings that can afford them. And that is a violation of what we feel is most important, the buildings not be over seven stories. If you talk to the developer or city council, they will always tell the public that proper consultation will take place before these developments are approved. Can you explain actually what happened this week in City Hall around this development? The height review was supposed to be taking place when the council met at two. There were other things before it, but there were over 50 people that had signed up to speak on the issue of the height review. One of the gentlemen that has been part of the organizing for years was saying, no more condos until we get social housing, until we don't have any more homeless, because now we're getting families homeless. About noon, I guess. We all got phone calls. You don't need to come up. The uh, uh, decision for all of the other buildings that they were talking about isn't going to be made until another date. They did that around 12, around that time. The council passed on two buildings in in Chinatown. Since when hasn't Chinatown been part of the downtown east side? We are geographically together, and, you know, how they could have made that decision as though our voice didn't count as though all of these people that have been working on this plan for the downtown east side to serve the people who live here. We want to live here. 
The people that are living here, that is their choice. And they have been, let's say, made to put up with some of the worst situations in the world, but it's the only ones they can afford. So to put, I don't know whether these buildings are going to be 12 or 15 stories high, that is a violation of what we have worked for and worked for and worked for. The zoning should stay, and it should have the input of the people. So to just get away with just taking those two out, voting on approving them, let them go to whatever height they want, what about the people? Aren't we part of a democracy that has a right to tell our council and mayor what this neighborhood, we live here, this is what we want? It's quite outrageous, and I totally agree. Whenever the downtown east side is referred to, it's talked about the poorest neighborhood, all these problems, but it's actually very vibrant, and the people there are wonderful and, and very friendly. Now, this story that you're telling me is probably a story that's being heard all across the country, how people are just pushed aside for these kinds of developments. I was listening to another station this week, and the developer said, look, the downtown east side has already way too much housing, social housing. We need more mixed housing throughout the city in different neighborhoods. How would you respond to this kind of opinion? From an exact example that I have of a man earning $18 an hour, which used to be you know, at least a moderate, you could make, make out pretty well. Now, he has his second wife, his first wife died, second wife with a two-year-old infant, his oldest son, 15 or 16, and himself squeezed into a tiny one-bedroom apartment for $1,300 a month, which he was looking for social housing because he said he barely has enough left over after paying his rent to buy enough food. What does that say about the concern of the uh, developers that we have too much social housing, we don't have enough, and we want to live here, and we want to have our families. You know, I worked for years in early childhood development, in daycare centers, and you could tell where there was a family that was struggling because it showed up in the child who was so it really reflected the anxiety of the parents so that the child, like, almost couldn't listen to you, couldn't attend to anything. Why some of them don't make it in school? Because the, the anxiety of not knowing whether you're going to be able to pay your rent or you'll be out on the street next month is so, so horrendous. And its effect on the children is so awful. It lasts their whole life long. So we want to have a next generation of so many children will already be disturbed, not able to accept a good education. We're, we're destroying ourselves by not providing adequate, affordable social housing for families. Now, I just want to touch on a point, uh, Sister Kelleher, that many people who don't understand the issue would say, oh, these people are just anti-development if they don't want the tower. But can you explain to people who don't understand the need to build more social housing, but also to protect uh, the social housing that does exist and how these developments do threaten to create more homelessness? You know, certainly if more condos go up down here, it is just pushing out. Where will these people go? They cannot afford the rents that are certainly in, in other neighborhoods, and even the rents down here have, not, have gone up 
you know, almost as much. We are squeezing our people, low-income people, out out of society. I don't know where they'll go. And as I said before, the more we do that to families, the more we are destroying our futures. Can we afford to have more and more mentally ill people, more and more people with disabilities? We are, don't have enough buildings for them anyway, unless they have, you know, good fortune and have being a family that is well off and can afford, you know, an apartment for handicapped in these huge condos, unless the government really listens to the people. We have to start really going back to what really democracy was fought for, so that people's voice will be heard, and especially a group of people who have so many difficulties here in this poorest area had the courage to keep meeting and meeting and gathering and have have the brilliance of making a decision and have worked out a plan for the downtown east side and i agree with them no condos until we have social housing and no more homelessness people that live here deserve to have housing they can afford to live in here I just want to touch base with you about the media. It's always telling us there's a homeless issue that's just way too complex, and we've always had homeless. I'm old enough to remember when I was young, my dad would take me out to Toronto sometimes, and there was no visible homeless people. There was a time when we had a national housing program, as you mentioned, and and there wasn't homeless people in Canada. How can we get back there? Because it seems that's what the public wants, but the the leaders and are not really interested in the poor and vulnerable. How can we get back there? You know, even those in corporations need to recognize their interests are not what the democracy needs to be looking at. The democracy needs to look at what do the people need. And all across Canada, and one of the things that we have been promoting for at least two years now, and we certainly did it, tried to get everybody from Canada (laughs) that were at the uh, Olympics last year, make them aware that what we need is a national housing strategy. We have to have the federal government get back into the housing issue because without it, all our taxes are going to be going elsewhere and not really getting to the one issue that is prevalent all over Canada, and that's homelessness. And as you say, you know, before the early 90s, the government was putting in a portion of the tax dollars. In fact, Libby Davies has a bill in the Parliament now that would be putting a percentage of the national growth into housing. Again, proportionately for where whatever your population is across Canada, and especially here we have where we have the poorest postal code in the neighbor in the air in the whole nation another problem we have and we don't talk about it very often and that is a lot of canadians complain but they suffer from public apathy towards their leadership so they're jaded they say look i take care of my family i donate to some charities at christmas that's all i'm going to do what would you say to these people why should they care about this issue if they care about being in a democracy like muscles or anything else either use it or lose it if you don't vote in a democracy, even just going into the polling place and saying none of the above, you certainly must have somebody at one level or other that you could vote for, you know, or even put in a way out name, whatever. But at least go to the voting polls and say, 
I have a right to vote. And when you have a right, you have also a responsibility. And it is the responsibility of every person. We're all created equal, and we deserve equal treatment because our dignity is that of practically every religion says it in one way or another. We are all created equally in the image of a loving creator. So we're all to be respected with that dignity and loved because of that dignity. Thank you so much again for joining us. Hopefully many of our listeners will, well, they've, they've seen uh, the terrible uh, disparity in their society, and hopefully they'll be moved to act in their own way and, and together uh, make a better society for all of us. And, and I thank you again for the work you're doing. Thank you so much, Stuart. You have been listening to Conscious Landscapes. To hear previous episodes, to find out about forest bathing or come on a journey on purpose with us, please visit eco-awakening.com. Bye for now.